0: and welcome back to the podcast. In Ireland in 2023, we find ourselves in a deepening housing crisis that means less people than ever can afford to finance their own home, let alone achieve joyful and sustainable life. It's easy to forget that we once had the skills and resources and sense of community to feel confident in addressing these kinds of challenges. Perhaps easier to believe that we have lost them forever. Common Knowledge is a non-profit organization based in County Clare, committed to helping people re themselves with such skills while empowering the community to play a more hands on role in their own living arrangement. Spider Hickman is a co-founder of Common Knowledge and program director. Originally thinking that architecture was her path, she diverted to contemporary art, then residential development before finding her happy place back on site, this time with tools in her hand as well as teaching as part of the core crew in common knowledge spider manages course development and communications this conversation covers spider's journey which is a real journey to ending up with common knowledge what exactly do common knowledge do and we talk about tiny houses and i'm confident i'm not the only one that has considered a tiny house over the last few years we also spend some time reflecting on the collective shift towards wanting a more sustainable living situation that we can contribute towards ourselves. As someone who is far from handy, this served as an uplifting and inspiring discussion, which, which has reshaped my belief on what I could do in the midst of a cost of living and housing crisis to aid my own living situation. I truly hope that it does the same for you. Common Knowledge is running courses almost nonstop over the next five months or so. Please see the link below for more information about their courses and dates, etc. And also, if you are somewhat handy and interested in volunteering with the guys, please drop them an email, which you'll find through the link below. As always, thanks a million. All the best. Spider Hickman, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for making time for us. What's the crack? How are you keeping?
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: No, it's a uh, it uh once I came across our common knowledge, I was initially appealed for somewhat obvious reasons in the fact that you know a lot of people in Ireland are experiencing um the negative consequences of the housing crisis of the renting crisis, and it seemed like a really kind of wholesome wholesome alternative and wholesome solution to what a lot of people are struggling with at the moment so I'm really glad that I reached out to you, I'm really glad that you got back and before we get into our common knowledge a bit more um, I want to learn a bit more about Spider-Hickman so um, can you tell us a bit about yourself?
1: Sure um, so I was actually um born and brought up in London and uh, okay and to be honest i don't actually have any kind of uh ties to ireland um so it's it's a okay. funny old journey that i ended up moving there um which again was one mm. of those funny stories where you kind of think you're going for a couple of weeks and end up staying for a lot longer and uh yeah no i mean london was um you know i was brought up in the 80s and sort of early 90s and London was a very different place than it is now. And it's uh, somewhere that I don't really recognise when I go back so much of just like how busy and how hectic and how expensive it is. Um, I still think it's an amazing city, but it's become a really hard place for people to live and it's crowded. And Mm. I kind Mm -hmm. of went through all sorts of sort of, you know, careers like we all do. Well, some of us do in our 20s. Mm-hmm. and and tried out all sorts of things i worked for an art gallery for a bit i actually had originally trained to be an architect an architect but not a, not a qualified one and then i i kind of was working in property in like real estate but it was more sort of doing project management of small scale stuff but i was doing a degree in um real estate which was quite soul destroying because well for all the obvious reasons that the emphasis was about how much money you can make from (laughs) every square foot of anywhere. And when I'd been studying architecture, my whole, like my sort of undergrad dissertation had been about like green architecture in London. And there was, there was like a little like sideline about that in there. And there was like a tiny little thing about design and it just felt so incongruous that like those are just things that no one was paying attention to. And, as I was writing my dissertation for this masters, I was writing about sustainable technology and social housing. And just as I'd written it, uh, there was was a huge fire in London, in Grenfell Tower. And one of their points of putting the cladding on the outside of this tower block in Notting Hill was about making it more thermally insulative. And they're still going on to this day of discussing who's to blame, who's at fault, the council, everything. And it's going to be a long, old, like, court case, but, you know, 80 people plus died. And I think that was, like, my moment of, I don't know if I can swear, but, like, fuck this. Like, I'm done. I, and You can swear, it's fine. Oh, great. Well, that's great. <laughs> and... uh <laughs> And I guess at that moment was when I was like, I also had, I'd recently, whilst I was doing this master's, been told that I have ADHD, which was also kind of one of these kind of moments okay. where like, okay, well, this like explains a lot about what I've found tr- like tricky in so many things. And, and I decided I was like, I need to go and like do something hands on. So I signed up to do this course with a company in America called Earthship Biotexture, uh, where they build totally, like, they're called, like, radically um, off-grid buildings. And they're made out of tires and glass bottles and tin cans. And it's sort of 60% recycled materials in order to make these off-grid buildings. Wow. And as... It's a story which I realize is very common, not just with Earthship, but in this part of America called Taos in New Mexico. Uh, A lot of people kind of arrive thinking they'll be there for a couple of weeks and it's months, turns into years. And the exact thing happened to me. And it, it was just one of those things of just suddenly meeting a whole bunch of people who were doing something. It was working with your hands rather than what I was finding really depressing, sitting behind a computer and, uh, and rather than just, like, theorizing on stuff, it was actually, you know, putting things into action. So I then spent several years building Earthships all, all over the world, from Uruguay and Argentina to Japan, Australia, Puerto Rico. And, yeah, it was, um, it was amazing. Uh, and then, obviously, lockdown happened, and that put a stop to it all um however i have a very good friend from earthship uh who is harrison gardner who is another co-founder for common knowledge and harrison uh fell in love with an irish woman so that's how he found himself in ireland because he's australian and uh i'd come over to visit them okay. quite a few times beforehand but it wasn't until he started running these courses of teaching people how to build uh that he then asked me to come and teach as well and that happened the year before last and then this year i've been out for seven months living and teaching and starting to understand the west coast of ireland and now i'm going to be back for again in spring so it's just uh, it's interesting where life takes you from a couple of bits and pieces really isn't it
0: yeah it's always beautiful there when like someone just follows a passion or someone follows something that's really true to them with no kind of plan per se and just sees what happens I am um, one thing I wanted to ask was before you made the trip to yeah. New Mexico, had you any experience with with building with with using your hands like you said?
1: I think I'd never directly built but i think i have like this weird thing in my head because i've never been scared of tools i've never been scared of workshops i've never felt like they were out of bounds um i went to an art school um that had a a workshop that you know had metal works had woodworking everything and i know and i i guess i was a bit of a tomboy when i was younger so i never really i never I always enjoy kind of getting messy and playing with you know the soil and with worms and um, I was always kind of quite outdoors and and sort of had scrapes okay. on my knees and probably on my face from falling over and stuff. So I guess the idea of building, because of between making things and having spent quite a lot of time on building sites, just generally as a child, like going around with my father. I didn't find them intimidating places. Okay. I think also because I'm tall, I'm like six foot, I think physically I never felt intimidated by how like machinery or materials could be like not meant for me because I think this is where ergonomically tools are made for men. And so they really do exclude women from strength and like proportion. And I guess that that, using tools never felt like a weird thing for me because I was the right size, I guess. I get you. Um, Interesting.
0: And when you made the move over to New Mexico and to kind of dive into this world of building with renewable or, uh, yeah, renewable or reusable materials, were there a lot of other women? Like, was it was it
1: yeah, yeah talk me
0: through that
2: experience
1: yeah and I think that was it um <clears throat> I remember really clearly actually that the first day I arrived it was freezing cold it was December in New Mexico which is 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 freezing basically it's really high altitude so everyone was like wearing their woolly hats scarves like goggles because it's also really bright sunshine and so you can you can't determine like men from women it was just a kind of free-for-all and we were pouring there was actually a a cement truck so they were pouring a bond beam and we were all being told to well being asked to like agitate the cement into this bond beam all around the top of this um this berm of of tires and we'd been told at the beginning anyone who was a bit cold or they just weren't enjoying it they could go and work on another project and start learning how to do some of the interiors of doing like tiling and um Doing some plastering and stuff, and I remember being quite determined. I was like, I want to, I want to stay outside. I want to like learn how to actually build. Like I felt like that was like real building rather than just doing interiors. And when eventually we finished mm-hmm. this job, and everyone sort of revealed sort of a little bit more of their sort of their faces after it sort of warmed up a bit, I realised I was actually the only woman on that job site. And initially, I was a bit in kind of intimidated but I thought okay cool like this is like it doesn't faze me it's not that's fine but what I then loved was then joining the other group later on a couple of weeks later and there was the coolest um, carpenter called Jen and she's Canadian and she's training to be a carpenter from the age of like you know late teens and she was like a badass and then there was this other um as another girl and she is a welder and like a brilliant um builder as well and the two of them were on the crew teaching Mm -hmm. all of us how to how to build and they were just awesome and i guess that they were the two that i found really inspiring because i think there's something about And I I now recognize it the more experienced I've become. There's something really empowering about wanting other women to build as well and realize it's not out of your remit. That I can acknowledge that I'm Mm. tall and strong, but actually whenever any woman comes on the course and seeing that there's a kind of intimidation at, at the beginning and how empowering using tools in a space of like 24 hours you know, someone suddenly able to use an impact driver and they can be up a ladder, you know, attaching, you know, a roof, a roof structure to the walls. And it's and it's really cool because it's just it's dismissing all these age old things of, you know, this role is for a man and this role is for a woman. And let's get all the men to build and let's the women can just sort of stay down and do like the, the, the less, you know, the less dangerous stuff uh and i think Mm. in america and in canada i think there are there is a bit more and australia actually there's a bit more of a gung-ho attitude of i think there's sort of more of an out there's a there's a sort of um of the women that i met there there were women who do all women builds and have um all women communities and it's not saying that they're feminists and they you know hate men and they it's just saying that they, they're they able to, to realise that they don't have to stick to their roles that we've all been, that a lot of us have been told yeah. as we're growing up to stick to. And mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. interesting in the introductions that we have for all our courses at Common Knowledge, the amount of women in Ireland who say that, you know, when they were growing up, they were not invited into the workshop with their fathers or grandfathers. Their brothers and cousins were, but they were kind of, ushered into the mm. kitchen and so when I say that I felt really comfortable going onto a building site it's because I hung out with my dad when he was playing with like he had a, an old car that he'd sort of be underneath the the engine of and I'd pass some tools you know it, it was something that I was I was allowed to be in that zone and encouraged to learn stuff whereas I think in Ireland and this is obviously a huge generalization a lot of the women that we have met haven't been um encouraged to feel like that and so i'm no, it, right. it's really it's really exciting seeing how people then like okay you know what i now feel like i can have these conversations with builders if i'm doing up something or you know there might be this image of like some strong man holding one piece of wood but actually two women can hold the same piece of wood it might be it might you might need more people or find out clever ways of how to move things around, but you don't have to have brute strength in order to build. You just have to be a little bit more ingenious about the ways you go about it.
0: It's interesting you saying that because it sounds quite, it sounds counterintuitive or it sounds just, of course it involves this or of course it involves that, but that's like you said, that's because probably there's an industry where there's tools built built and constructed primarily for men for the male body for the male strength but actually we can design similar similar buildings and similar structures if with just a different approach so that women can get involved as well
1: yeah uh, yeah so how did you uplifting. i was going to i was curious how did you find out about common knowledge
0: so a a, f- a friend of my girlfriend um had volunteered with common knowledge and if i remember she told my girlfriend about her experience down in Clare and because she she was also interested in in tiny homes and i had subsequently then learned about tiny homes and then my girlfriend was like well you know there's this collective and they're even teaching people how to build tiny homes uh, as well as selling tiny homes yeah and then i said oh well, this sounds very interesting and like you said in ireland we're usually a bit behind these kind of movements that happen in the states and in australia and but it yeah i, I guess i want to um because oh, you're doing a little better job than me uh, kind of uh, explore common knowledge for people who are just hearing about it for the first time now so probably so far people are hearing that they provide workshops on, on how to build tiny homes and other structures. But yeah, I guess why I was drawn to it is that cause it's also more right. There's also a really, um, deeply ingrained aspect of community there, which I think is kind of slipping away in, in our culture.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this is where, um, Harrison started doing these you know he's a builder, and he sort of uh-huh. building these um doing these buildings and these courses um because he had friends who were interested and then it realized uh, we did two um we did two projects in twenty twenty one um uh-huh. one with one with home tree. Uh, who are okay. also based in Clare. And
2: okay.
1: this whole idea of mehel, which obviously is an Irish word of community and building and the whole community coming together to, to build. Mm-hmm. And there's there's something so beautiful about that. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, there were stories of back when, uh, you know, a couple would new, be newly married and the people of the community would come together and they all kind of knew their role of how to then uh, build a house for a new couple. And it's it's amazing that that would have been, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it should be really, isn't it? It's sort of everyone should have a home and everyone should be have access to food, you know, as human beings on a planet. Like a whole, it's so... It's so wrong of what's of how in like disproportionate everything is between people who are able to mm-hmm. have several houses and some people who are struggling to have one, and the safety of that. And I guess what common knowledge is, is it's it was just build school, and we, it's now become common knowledge because it's about sharing so many skills that not yeah. and. Primarily, there's a lot of builders at the moment, but what we're hoping to grow into is for it to have all the kind of skills that we all need in life. And you know, that's building, but that's making and mending and growing. And I mean, there are so many other things that are sort of subtopics of those four main things, but it's, it's using different types of materials that we're interested in. It's bringing people together to share the knowledge because we don't do that. There's so much information that now has to be monetarized, and um, yeah. and people are are being are, want to hold close to their chest so that they don't want to share what they know. And I guess that's where where we are in the world at the moment. And um, yeah, and I guess what common knowledge. Is trying to do is just trying to make a base for those conversations to happen and to pick up skills that will make their life, you know, more sustainable. So they're able to mend things, they're able to make things, they don't have to buy something that's made on the other side of the world that they can learn how to grow. And I think it's also just, even if those skills aren't necessarily put into practice, it's not that you have to go to build school and then you have to build your own house. Some people come and they learn that they can then put up shelves by themselves, or they then know how to make their own table. Uh, some people just want to be able to do it, so they've got the, the the confidence to have conversations with building professionals. So when they do do up their house or do build the house, they're able to understand what's being said rather than just saying yes blindly to a whole bunch of stuff when they don't yeah. actually know what all those layers of construction are.
0: Um, which is very empowering
1: yeah and I and I guess that's with what we're all trying to do is trying to demystify something or you know a world that doesn't need to be quite so complicated mystical yeah yeah exactly (laughs)
0: exactly Uh, and for people listening then could you like paint a bit of a picture at what to expect if they were to rock up in County Clare at, at the base of common knowledge? Mm. What, what would they see? What would an average well, day look like?
1: It's a good question because next year, even I don't know what that's going to look like. Because okay. last year we've been um, running out of two of our co-founders home and we are now in the process of buying a, maybe you've heard of it before but the bog hill center which is in the Burren, and it's mm-hmm. always been a kind of retreat center and it's amazing it's already got these beautiful hexagonal buildings and it's got somewhere for people to stay and um there's two kind of earth buildings it's it was it was it's been built over the last kind of 30 40 years. And, we're going to be running all our courses from there. And it feels really great that we're actually going to be able to house people. There's going to be a proper commercial kitchen there. Uh, and we're, we're, we're now finding ourselves a home. And it's quite good when we're preaching about a home and what a home is and what does home look like for people. And trying to kind of discuss what, how that is different for everyone that now common knowledge itself can have a home that people know where to go to to try and start entering into that conversation uh Mm. so this year we had an emphasis on tiny homes and next year we won't be doing tiny homes again and we're currently and it and and it's not because we don't like tiny homes it's just more the fact that we don't want to be pigeonholed as the tiny home company you know the okay the 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 drawings and the for that are are readily available for anyone to build so if they want to use those drawings they're for free and anyone can build them and so at the moment next year we're now in discussion of what our next projects are going to be because we did a stone renovation um, course last year as well uh, on the property and there were so many people who are interested in that uh, we also did an extension to a house and I guess like there are so many different things that people are looking to do. In essence, what's being taught in the course is it can be applied to anything. So whether you're building a chicken coop or a tiny home or an extension, the the way that you go about it are still the same things. And oh. it's still having to understand about a foundation and load and understanding how and why we wrap a building in the way that we do it to make it waterproof um and and i guess that's kind of what build school is it's about learning how to use the the tools and it's understanding the physics that we kind of already know but not just from school i think there's something instinctive within humans that we already understand how to build and and this is you know a child making a a den Or, you know, it's just something that we've kind of watched and learned and played around with of how to put Lego together or, you know,
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: and played Mm -hmm. around with. We kind of already have done our trial and error of why things hold up and why things fall down. And I guess this is where we slowly go through each layer of building anything so that anyone can replicate that. And just understand at each level why you do things in the order that it's done.
0: I, I love the sound of it. You know, even for someone like myself who is probably would be would be described by other people as very incapable in, in, in this realm of, of building and 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 knowing loads and tools. Um it appeals to me, I think it also appeals to me, and it might also for some listeners, because Sometimes when we uh, when we picture ourselves in a scenario of building or construction, that we often, sometimes, well, I know I do, kind of imagine an environment that isn't, you know, completely um, open to you uh, making errors and mm. forgiving of those errors. You know what I mean? And and I think why I liked the common knowledge approach is that it's kind of calm we're here together we're going to learn together where people are coming from all next you know all neckland woods all different backgrounds and yeah we're going to make mistakes but but it's it's an environment where yeah we've accepted that we're going to make mistakes and that's actually going to help us in the learning process compared to uh, someone who like for myself would be a little insecure maybe about my ability and then if I make one mistake or I make two mistakes and there's some judgment with by people who know much more than me in that area then I'll be like all right well it's just not for me I'll just yeah. I'll leave it so um I, I, I and well I, think... I mean
1: then that makes me want to say well then you then you definitely have to come on a course next year then um <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, But I think that's kind of... I was having a conversation with um, one of our um, board members today. And we Mm -hmm. were just talking about that exact thing of the personality of common knowledge is exactly that. It's about being able to be... You're permitted to make mistakes. And I think this is where you know, this is the whole point of why children need to make mistakes to, to learn. They need to sort of understand what's dangerous before they realize maybe you shouldn't do that again. And I'm not saying that we Mm -hmm. should, there should not be any health and safety in the world, but I think there is, I, I'm slightly worried about a generation of children not, um, not being allowed to Think for themselves or discover for themselves like what's safe and what's not um you know of climbing a tree and you know and realizing quite like how far you can push yourself and i Uh kind of see when we're all on a building site and i personally feel this as well it's sort of i kind of feel like i'm on a on a on like a jungle gym like i feel like it's all part of um you know you might be up a ladder and you're reaching for something and it's kind of just working out like what can you do and what are you comfortable doing and no one should be pushed into doing something they're not comfortable with but it's also about all the Uh conversations that you have with other people of understanding what their level is of of their knowledge or experience and everyone kind of working to that but also there's this really lovely layer of encouragement of it's not just the best, the people, the people who are the best should be doing it. It's that it's a, it's, it's everyone's involved. Everyone's allowed to do it. And it's a conversation to try and not make mistakes, but if they do happen, no one's to blame, you know, it's just about undoing it and trying it a, a, a way in a different way. And I think it's really important that we do that because I, I could bang on about sort of the education system and how much I despise the fact that we're all vetted against each other and a school system of, of results and stuff. And I think there's so much that's making us um, compete against each other. and I think yeah. what it just ending up with a whole bunch of really anxious, you know adults who are all don't you know yeah. who are also scared to acknowledge when they haven't done something, properly or correctly or on time or something when it's actually like if everyone was able to talk about what was holding them back or what they're having problems with in any kind of like work family relationship friendship role then we'd all feel so much more supportive we'd probably be way more productive rather than having people nervously sitting at home or in the office or whatever it is feeling like they they're not capable of 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 doing something but actually they are it's just the they need a bit of help. And I think that's where we just all need yeah. to be a bit more forgiving.
0: Yeah, I, you speaking like this reminds me of, um, we had a conversation on the importance of play at the start of this year. And mm. our guest was talking about how our, the, the things that we learn during play are the things that we take forward with us in workplaces in schools in our communities and that if that if that time is is taken from us or is like overly supervised that we're not being able to flex those even the social muscles that you said instead Mm. of looking at someone and saying uh they're not as good as me at this you can look at them and say oh okay well because they don't. They're not as good as this. They can do this instead, or they can help me with that, or they can help us with this. And yeah, like we we've been starved of it, right? And there's, yeah, I I even think like my generation are, are are not particularly. I mean, I don't want to speak for a generation, but I I do think <laughs> that we we lack that um. I mean I've never heard someone describe the the building site as a jungle gym, but we lack <laughs> the kind of to see the the play in in work, in these yeah. things, and to see that actually we're not against each other. <laughs> it's not a competition, but you know, sometimes it is a competition, and then we go, Oh well they have to play by the rules.
2: Yeah. But it
0: I I, I think I think why I gravitated towards common knowledge and why I think people listening might really enjoy even like even feel a sense lighter is that is that it's kind of taking um taking the obvious um I don't know, errors, obvious ways in which the society is not thriving and taking a step back and saying, okay, well how how can we come back to understanding that we all can contribute in our own way, and and that's that's the essence of a community, right? That there are yeah. people that are good at this, there are people that are good at that, and we have a room for people. Yeah. And so what if somebody is better than you at nearly everything? It doesn't mean that you're not more than um, deserving of your place in the community. Yeah, and I think I, maybe sorry, b- b-
1: sorry you, you go on. No, no, sorry. I was just going to say what what kind of brings up for me is it's also not pigeonholing people because yeah. you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's so easy to and I, to sort of say okay, well you're good at that, so you should just stick to that, and it means they're never invited out yeah. of that space to try something else. And you know, mm. there's definitely conversations of, and I, I'm not even saying this an agenda basis but you know someone who's a brilliant cook they'll always be like in the kitchen but actually you need to encourage those people to have a go at other things as well maybe they don't want to but at least you're yeah. al- opening the doors rather than saying you found that 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 one and you fit that's it i think it's being able to always realize that there are other skills that you can try your hand at and you know mm-hmm. i build but I don't build, you know, five days a week, you know, throughout the whole year. I go through different phases of it. But that's, you know, and so therefore, okay, why do I need to be, why do I need to say that I am a builder? You know, I can build. Sometimes I am a builder. But should we not, are <laughs> we not now? But like, do you know I me, mean? like, we why can't, it, the sort of, and I know it's kind of made fun of, of people having sort of lots of kind of slash jobs. But I think Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we're all we're all more than just like one identification. And and rather than just being like that person does that, it's why can't we make that into they do that and this and they are a whole load of different parts to their existence. Mm.
2: And I guess
1: what common knowledge does is um, is allow people to have a go at all those different Skills that they've potentially wanted to have a go at. They might even still, you know, be shitted, but it doesn't really matter. Like, I remember actually, I've always loved short courses, and I always did a lot of short courses in London. And I remember doing a ceramics course, and I was like, "That's it. This Mm -hmm. is going to be my career. I'm going to be a ceramicist." And I was like, "I'm going to make everyone's like birthday presents, Christmas presents, and wedding presents, and like they're going to be amazing." And I and I remember, like, mm-hmm. sitting down and having a go. And I was like, I am rubbish at this. Like, no one's ever going to want, like, any of the stuff that I made. But I enjoyed doing it so much. I didn't care. I just loved working with my hands. And I loved the clay. Mm-hmm. And I loved the whole experience. And chatting to people as you're doing it. And celebrating, you know, the successes and the downfalls of what came out of the kiln at the end. Where you're like, you know. It's all part of it. And in essence, does it really matter? Mm -hmm. I mean, with a building, you do want it to stand up and you don't want it to leak and you don't want it to be drafty. So there are certain things that you really don't want to make mistakes with. But I think that's where with confidence and knowledge and people sharing that, you know, that's achievable.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think the knock on effect of even what you're talking about is a kind of grander, more holistic perspective on just like life sounds too grand, but essentially life, right? Just a grander perspective on, on what is needed, what I can actually do, what other people can do and how we can work together. I have this reflection that you might enjoy where I was talking to my friend who's studying a PhD Mm. and, um, I asked him, what did he think of his professors? And he says that they're the most educated fools he's ever met. <laughs> <And> <laughs> he said that because these people are so knowledgeable in one area yeah. that whenever they look at other aspects of life, it's it's always coming through that perspective, which is is it's incredibly limiting. And it doesn't allow you, or at least makes it so much harder for you to see that it's all interconnected, right? That we Mm. we need them all. They all work off each other, all feed off each other.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, 100%. And I think that Um, you only kind of realise that the more and more you delve into that of realising quite how all these things have, and yeah, have an effect on everything that you do and the people that you're with. And,
0: Mm. yeah. I I know you said that um, common knowledge is moving away from tiny homes next year, but I did kind of want to make a little bit of time in the podcast for tiny homes.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um,
0: Great. Because um, I'd imagine that Pretty much everyone listening is probably somehow struggling with the cost of living and the the energy prices and prospects for renting and buying houses in the future. Um, But then they might hear of a tiny home and just think that's like a YouTube dream or it's just unrealistic mm. and I could never get used to this. So I'd like for you to kind of not not like pitch tiny homes but I kind of want to spend a few minutes maybe other destigmatizing tiny homes and, and talk to me about your experience or people you know experiences um, in tiny homes
1: I guess this this goes back again to like America being really good about sort of doing this sort of stuff of of living in mobile homes but then also their kind of Small home or tiny home, banana, banana um, and how popular they are. They are over there, and it, it is trickier in in Ireland and in the UK because of all the planning permissions and like what you can and can't do, and. So I guess there's two sides to it. There's the there's the legal aspects of what you're permitted to build, and um, different parts of Ireland it's different rules. But on the whole, like if you're um, you know on wheels, then it needs to move. Um, yeah, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, uh, but it's sort of x amount of meters per you know couple of months to make sure that it's not like static basically if you don't have planning permission okay um okay. and so there are there are, and it all varies of what exactly you're allowed to do um so yeah it depends on like the size what your what the what the use is what the foundations are all of it um so that's a whole nother concept of like depending on where you want to to live and what kind of land you have access to you know it's going to be different as to whether you need what kind of planning permission you need to get um whereas the actual concept of living in a tiny home i think is oh so so great i am (laughs) absolutely a hoarder all the the reasons that I kind of think, basically, I just don't want to throw anything away because I'm like, maybe one day this will be useful. But um, yeah, and so you know, there's one thing about you know, don't chuck stuff out, and then there's another thing of like, it, it comes to a point where you're like, no, no, you do. Um, there's only so much that you can hold on to, <laughs> and and I guess the thing yeah. with the tiny home is. The simplicity of not having to have so many belongings, and the beauty in that, because you have to, you have to live in it, um, you know, day to day with just the items that you need, and really just, and I think that becomes something even more poetic about that than being a hoarder and hanging on to everything, but making sure that everything that's in your life has a purpose right from the very beginning and only the necessary things are mm-hmm. in your vicinity and so i think there's something very peaceful about that it's a bit like staying in i want to say like a hotel room or someone's you know if they have one a spare room where there's nothing in there and it's just sort of a bed mm-hmm. and there's something and you suddenly are like wow i slept so well because you're not surrounded by <laughs> like unnecessary crap that we all kind of have. Yeah. And I think that the, the tiny home is a, is a really sort of just shows that you don't need. Nice to have huge, Yeah. And it just shows you don't have to have like a huge amount of space. I think there's actually something incredibly luxurious just to have really good examples of, you know, the best type of scissors, you know, I don't know why I thought scissors, but you know what I mean? Like, really beautiful (laughs) objects that you really enjoy using every single day like they feel luxurious rather than having like a whole cascade of stuff that you're like like you feel overwhelmed by um anyway the tiny home for us was it's something that we can build in a week the structure of it and put in the windows and the doors and so it's a it's a great example of actually what you can do in a very small period of time because we're not even building all day every day there's there's um there's theory um, in the mornings and then it's building in the afternoons so that's actually five afternoons really of 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 building and then the interiors we were kind of done with our level two, two students and then with our our carpenters and teachers who um who did the really kind of finessing but the actual shell of it can be done very simply in a matter of days. And I think that's the other beautiful thing is that you don't need to, that you, don't need a, you know, you need a couple of people to help you move things and climb up onto ladders or scaffolding, whatever you've got. But it's very attainable to be able to, to make that shell. Once you then decide what you put in it, that's up to you. I'm just like dreaming in my own little world of how much uh, of how I'd love to live in a tiny home. But the thing that is making it more complicated are the planning commission. Um, okay. A- and and spider,
0: d- yeah. like on practical terms, a, a, a few kind of questions that came to me when mm. I told people I was having this conversation. One yeah. was the fact that I say Ireland and England, uh, very wet countries and, mm-hmm. and and what is the kind of longevity of these tiny homes
1: i mean really the, they've got like the, the longevity of like any other um you know shed building or any other extension or anything
2: mm-hmm.
1: the 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 tiny home that we have photographed the most and has got the most publicity is covered in hemp and the material it was okay. the, the, hemp, the hemp was grown in the UK, and um, it's been made into corrugated panels that were shipped over here. and you need to um, you need to oil it and you need to look after it once a year like you would with wood or some other materials that you might want to clad it in. Um, we were really excited about it because of just its hemp. I mean, and it's beautiful corrugated hemp, and it's kind of, it's really beautiful up close. You can see all the fibres and everything in it. Um, and because these are prototypes, the the hemp panels, they have said kind of 20 years that they'll last, but I think that's really like anything, it depends okay. how much you look after it. As the actual tiny home in Ireland and how long it will last, it 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 really should last for as long as, you know, Someone's living in it and look, caring for it, and obviously on the west coast, it's going to be um, getting a lot more wind and very windy. A lot more harsh environments than other parts of Ireland, but um, I don't know. I mean, I think that I can't put a number like a, a set amount in it. I think this is like any kind of back garden shed that it will be there for as long as you want it to be there if you look after it.
0: Okay, thanks for that spider uh, one other one was um about heat uh, yeah. I mean obviously we're in the winter we winter now uh, uh, like uh, how how obviously it depends on the insulation, right but the, the standard tiny home are they are they so, yeah,
1: they, so for These sorry. tiny homes. They were originally designed to have like a little stove and they can still like be kitted out with a stove and that's fine. But we then suddenly thought, actually, you know what, in this particular space, as soon as you've got a stove on and it's bloody hot, you're actually then cutting off quite a lot of space that can actually be used. And during the summer and during like uh, autumn until I mean, I left, what, two weeks ago and they were still like cozy inside from like the big windows actually allowing and, you know, the sun that is around to like warm up the inside. But they're really thick cork panels and and it's just like any room. The more it's like once it's sealed in tight and you've got someone moving around cooking, doing what we do in a in a home, it heats up the space. But there are other really cool little, I mean, you can put an electric heater in as well. Um, but okay. there are like so many other little um, ways to heat it that I love, um, which I've seen in a friend's houseboat before, where you can put little tea lights inside a terracotta pot, an upside terracotta pot. on top, uh, There's a like two terracotta, terracotta pots on top of each other with a little tea light. And it basically heats up that um that ceramic and it kind of becomes just like a, a warm radiator basically so there are all these like simple ways to make a space warm without having to use like your normal ways of heating a room or traditional ways of heating a room okay okay and I guess that's kind of what I thought thanks kind of, for that I love all these little like off-grid tips that should be more well-known, basically.
0: Mm. Well, you're sharing the knowledge now.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. Just the start. And I need other people's knowledge to keep <laughs> them teaching me.
0: <laughs> I, um, but before we move into, like, the closing session of the mm. podcast, um, one I wanted to ask, is there something that you would like to say that I kind of haven't Asked you about that you feel Is important for the listeners to know
1: um, uh, pro- It's really one of those moments That afterwards I'm really like Oh god I wish I'd discussed that um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> At the moment I feel like I've sort of been Just a uh, I uh, don't know. I'm sure, there's gonna be some really wise words that I will be able to think of, but no, at the moment, no. I guess. Um, I guess I'm always curious, and this isn't necessarily. Um, I'm now asking actually your listeners something, um, no. because mm-hmm. I guess what is part of you know. There's all my interests, and I'm, and that's kind of part of like what we're bringing forward and I guess we're and I'm always interested in like what are the the things that other people want to learn about and understand and know more of because I think this is kind of what Mm -hmm. this is exactly what we're trying to do is actually make it a meeting place for people to to come and learn and share skills and and I guess Mm -hmm. to open up that conversation it's inviting other people to put forward what they want to be in that conversation and what it is they would want to discuss or learn about more. And, you know, I think, yeah, you know, with our building, we started off with tiny homes, we did stone cottage renovations, and then we did an extension and that was sort of answering questions that we had from people who knew that we were building. And I, as we're moving into this sort of mending, making, growing phase, which is starting for us to have to look more outside what we know and what we, um, you know, it's expanding our conversation, is I'm asking, I guess, listeners, what it is that they want to know more about to make themselves feel like they're living a more sustainable life, you know, and being able to take control more of their own life. And that's living situations or feeding themselves or growing or whatever it is that they're still that they want to branch out into.
0: And would it be, is our common knowledge open to receiving, you know, emails from people about, oh, hey, is I would love if you could do a workshop on X. Totally. Are our common knowledge open to receiving that
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would love
0: yeah, that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. Why
1: what well, would um, you what I'll would be sure you ha- to leave the link. What would you have? I mean i turn it back on I'm going to turn it back on you. What would your dream what would you love to learn? Besides building?
0: Oh, <laughs> it's a tough question. I'm just <laughs> bring it on you right um, at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> What would I like to learn? Um, I, I think, I don't think there's one thing. I think what you mentioned before struck struck me in the sense that to give someone the encouragement and the the education around using your hands. And so it's not necessarily that I'd like. Uh, this is my answer now. It's not necessarily that I think I'd like a workshop on this right now, but mm. I think I would like to be in a position where, you know, like you said before, if if I'm in a position to, you know, I'm working on a shed or my friend's working on a shed or he's working on something that um that on my opinion is asked or if they're if they're talking that I could give some sort of input um and to not kind of just um skip or be mute in that conversation and just say oh well that that I have no I have nothing to input here and also Mm. um there's no point in me even listening it doesn't really matter to me um I think just to be able to be in a position where you know to be a to be somewhat capable with your hands in, in that regard and to have had the experience of, to have had the experience within a community setting, I think would be, would be very enriching. If, if, there, if there's something in particular, I'll definitely let you
2: know. No, but, <laughs> but I like I, that.
1: Cause I think you're right. I, I think that it's like, yeah. it's, it's easier. I mean, we all take in and remember information in different ways. And the one of mm-hmm. which you're you know learning and making and seeing and doing, you know it kind of imprints it into your your memory bank, like it's almost indelible after that because you can you can kind of envision it on so many levels once you've done it yourself in with a group of people mm. with by yourself, whatever it is. but I think this is where like learning you know so many people hate school for obvious reasons that it's an old, you know, style of teacher students. And I think Mm -hmm. that at the more that we're all appreciating to use your hands and learn by doing it, um, it's really allowing people to, to move at the pace that they need to. And, and, and yeah, yeah, and keep that, that memory bank. So it's,
2: they
1: can keep on replicating it in the future
0: definitely definitely Mo- moving on Spider. Uh, there's yeah. a new addition to the Earthly Delights podcast and you were the first guest to receive this question
1: oh good
0: <laughs> I want to <laughs> ask you what lesson is the universe teaching you right now
1: hmm Without giving you like a really long in depth like um, therapy session of what I'm trying to learn,
2: mm-hmm. I guess
1: um, one of the things that I'm learning is about prioritizing, and and I okay. think this is a, and this is a huge amount of um, of what I guess I before I kind of embarked on. Is the sort of stage of building um, and my sort of diagnose, diagnosis with ADHD? I think what I'm now having to mm-hmm. to learn again is um, how to manage time. And, you know, whether that's like work and people, I'm back in front of a computer basically a lot more than, you know, this winter than I had been for a long time. and And I think. It's funny how the universe will continually give you lessons until you've learned them or stopped pushing them <laughs> yeah. under a rug and be like, I'll, I'll, I'll do this another time because eventually you have to take it out of the rug and address it. And, um, and yeah. I think that's sort of life lessons with friends, loved ones, romantic relationships, work colleagues, but I think it's also so many own like behavioral patterns and so I think prioritizing is the one that I'm, just to keep it vague and without having to give you too many details, I think that's yeah, yeah. my particular one that um, is also realizing that uh, it, I guess, trying to enjoy the pattern of those life lessons of how they mm. keep on, they'll, they'll, they'll bring right. them, they'll raise their head up every so often just to make sure that you haven't forgotten about them Mm
2: -hmm.
0: yeah i like how life doesn't care if you think you've learned the lesson it's still going to keep on showing you the lesson yeah
1: yeah (laughs) just in a different in a different roundabout way and i guess it's it's understanding that acknowledging it and and learning each time isn't it yeah Mm. i remember
0: um a few years ago when I was volunteering in Denmark, we, we kind of had this workshop um, on prioritization and it was a kind of cool lesson because basically they ask you, they say, okay, what are the most important things in your life and like how would you rank them, right? And so people would say, you know, family and health and friends and, and purpose. And then they would ask you, um, they would ask you to draw a pizza or a pie and they would say, okay, well, how much, t- how much of your time is actually being devoted to these things that you are list, mm. you have listed as your top priorities, and it's kind of like a big eye opener because pretty much everyone, I think, well, definitely me, I was like, oh god, well, I say family's super important, but, hmm, you know, and, may, you know, it's it's very hard in the world that we live, but I do think it's a it's a powerful exercise to. Like you said, just really come back to priorities and how yeah. am, how are we spending our time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I might have to try that exercise. See what it comes up with for me.
0: <laughs> Let me know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <we'll> okay. <do. laughs> uh,
1: yeah.
0: Okay. Well, this has been great, Spider. Thank, thanks so much for your time. Uh, no,
1: it's uh, been lovely to chat to I you. I
0: Really? Yeah, it has, and. I admire the work you guys are doing and all going well, I will be able to visit you next spring in, I do, in County yes. Clare. Yes. And, and um, I, I'll, I'll provide the link to your website um, in the show notes. And I know you guys are looking for volunteers as well for the next spring. Am I right?
1: Yeah, we are. We're looking for volunteers. First of all, um, with helping us put the get the site ready for the courses, Um, And that's going to be doing lots of odd jobs all over the place. But then also looking for volunteers who are going to be wanting to help during the courses actually on site. So there's going to be lots of opportunities for for people to come in lots of capacities.
0: Great. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, I'm I'm sure we'll have a few listeners now that are interested in reaching out and spending a week or two in County Clare with the crew.
1: Great. Look forward to it.
0: Fingers crossed. Yeah. So uh, thanks again, Spider. And um, yeah, hopefully I'll see you next spring.
1: Perfect. Brilliant.